something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Destro. That's Mike D-E-E-S-T-R-O if you want to follow me over there. And if you're here today, welcome. And first of all, let me say thanks for checking out the podcast. Thanks for hitting play. Thanks for hitting download. All those things mean so much to me that you guys come back and say that Mondays are something you look forward to because you listen to this podcast. So thanks for that. And if you're new to the podcast... Hopefully you'll stick around and subscribe because we're doing something pretty special right now, something pretty fun that I'm really enjoying. This is actually part two in a four-part series where I'm trying to find the most famous movie from every single state in the United States. So if you want to go back and listen to part one, which I did last week, all about movies from the Northeast. So I went through every single state in the Northeast and kind of threw out the picks and determined which is the most famous movie from that entire region. So you may want to go check back and listen to that episode first, but if you don't want to do that and you're just here like, hey, I'm already here, I'm going to listen to this episode, then I'll kind of explain what we're doing in this entire series, which this episode will be covering the Midwest. So what I'm trying to do is, that's it, find the most famous movie to come out and be placed and set in every single state. So it doesn't matter where the movie was filmed, it matters where in the movie the setting takes place. And movies and states that just go hand in hand. When you think of that state, you think of this movie. I asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter what your picks were. So if you want to get in on this too for the next two regions we're doing, which will be the South and the West, you go over to my Twitter page. And there's a top tweet up there that's a whole thread of like 500 responses of people with the state and the movie. And then I'll go through those when building the next two episodes. But that's what this episode is. And that's what this entire series is. A bunch of great movies in the Midwest, so I'm excited to get into that part of the podcast. So that's what we'll be doing first. And then on the second part of this, we're going to get into a music movie review, which I actually produce a podcast here on the Nashville Podcast Network called The Bobbycast. And if you don't know, I also work as a writer and a producer on The Bobby Bone Show. And Bobby has a podcast called The Bobbycast. And once a month or so, we all have a homework assignment of watching the same music movie and coming on and talking and reviewing that movie. So we'll have that coming up later. This week, we are reviewing Popstar Never Stop Stopping. 
starring Andy Samberg, which is essentially a parody of the Justin Bieber documentary from back in the day. And we'll talk all about that movie and even play some songs from it. It's a movie that didn't do so great when it came out in theaters, but kind of has a cult following now. So we decided to go back and watch it and see if there was anything there that we missed. So we have that coming up. And then I'll also get into a movie review of the movie An American Pickle starring Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen. He actually plays two characters in this movie. And it's a movie that's an exclusive on HBO Max. And I'll even give a review of that service if you've been considering Another streaming service, which we all probably have so many now, but if you've ever considered of getting that, I'll kind of give you my experience with it so far. So all that coming up on this episode, I'm glad you guys are back. Hopefully you enjoy this series of going through all the states and all the famous movies from there because I like researching this. I also like getting you guys involved, so it's been really fun for me to do. We have another two regions to get to after this so i'm excited for that hopefully you're subscribed all you have to do is hit that follow button hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and you'll get all those episodes on your phone on your tablet every single monday and if you don't mind leave that five star rating review if you're over there on apple Podcasts, because that kind of helps me battle out all the other movie podcasts in the category which i want to be up there at the top i want more people to come over here and hang out and check out the podcast And if you don't mind and you have a friend that you know is also into movies and into podcasts and wants to hear a movie podcast, well, tell them, hey, check out Movie Mike's Movie Podcast and get them to subscribe too. That'd be awesome. All right. With all that said, we'll get right into the first part of this, going through all the movies in the Midwest and then movie reviews galore. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, let's hop back into it. Part two of a four-part series where we're trying to find the most famous movie from every single U.S. state. This week, we are doing the Midwest. If you missed the Northeast last week, go back and listen to that episode. But let's hop right into these movies. So let's get started with Wisconsin, which has a very special place in my heart. I got to hang out there a couple times doing some traveling for work and then even did some comedy shows up there when I was doing stand-up. And Madison, Wisconsin, a very cool place to hang out. Everybody there is super nice. And then I got to go to Milwaukee and taking a look at the movies from Wisconsin, one of the biggest comedies that, at the time when it came out, for some reason, I didn't want to see it. I think it was at a time where there was a bunch of kind of comedies in this kind of genre that was trying to be like The Hangover. And I just had enough of all the kind of duplicates and copycats of that movie that when Bridesmaids came out, I was like, I have no real interest to see that right now. So I think it wasn't until last year that I actually watched the movie for the first time. And I got to say, I missed out on a lot on this one. But a classic movie. I'm glad they never made a sequel to this, even though... There was probably a demand for it. I'm actually seeing more that comedies really don't make sequels anymore. Like there's very few successful comedy sequels with all these kind of movies that we know and love. Because once you have something that's funny and you find these characters and the storyline great, 
the problem with a sequel to a comedy is they usually are like, okay, we have to get people exactly what they had in the first one. It would make it a little bit different, and they end up making the exact same movie again. So people are like, it's not as funny as the first one. Case in point, The Hangover 2 and 3, which are very forgettable because they essentially do the same thing in the first one. So that's why it's so hard to do a killer follow-up to a comedy movie. But Bridesmaids and a bunch of you guys agreed on Twitter, so let's add that to the list. Moving on now to Michigan, which has, I'd say, two pretty big contenders. I got a bunch of tweets for American Pie, which is arguably so famous because it does have the sequels going for it. And I think in a very rare case, like I was saying before, they were kind of a little bit different each time. I would say they probably got worse and worse between, you know, part two and then the wedding. And then they came back and did the one at the very end, the reunion one. The first one is undeniably the best one in the series. I remember this movie coming out and everybody talking about the first one. And then when the second one coming out, there was so much hype around it that all my friends and family like like waited for the next one. So it was kind of a movie you kind of anticipated for the other one. And they were just so famous at the time, everybody in this movie. And I don't think they really held up over time. If you go back and watch the first one... Uh, maybe it's still kind of funny, but it's also very juvenile. But undeniably, a really big movie franchise and successful one. But I think the movie that kind of just represents Michigan a little bit better. And again, in this series, we're talking about the movie that best represents the state, whether it be, you know, the geography or all the other kind of elements behind, like, you think of this state when you think of this movie. That's what we're doing here. It doesn't matter where it's filmed. It doesn't matter where any of the things are pulled from. It's where it takes place in the story. And I think that the story in 8 Mile really kind of defines Michigan. It tells the story of, you know, based on Eminem's life. And it's become so famous that when you drive through there, you want to see where 8 Mile is. You want to see where this movie took place and, you know, where Eminem grew up and all this stuff really happened. So it's not a total, like, biopic about his life, but it's taken from his life and transformed into this movie. And then you have all the awards and nominations that followed it the Oscar for the song, so you gotta put 8 Mile as being the most famous movie to come out of Michigan. Add that one to the list. There we go. Let's move on now to Illinois. There's so many great movies in Illinois, and I went through all these, went through all the tweets. I put together my list, and I was like, man, how am I gonna pick just one to come out of Illinois? So you have, you know, all the John Hughes movies are just depict Illinois in such a great way, and that's that probably the director who made me want to go to Illinois and kind of created this romance of, you know, me as a kid someday wanting to go to Chicago. It just has that Midwest vibe and it has that feeling that these movies can't take place anywhere else. So you want to say The Breakfast Club, but then you also think Wayne's World, which takes place in Aurora, Illinois. Famous movie, but it's a very 80s movie and it's a very Saturday Night Live derivative movie. That you don't know if anybody now really remembers that movie being based in Illinois. Even though that's basically what the story is. It's them in their basement on local access TV. And that's how that show blows up. So that's a really good one. Then you also have Blues Brothers, which is based out of Chicago. Uh, you even have like Mean Girls, which he relocates to Illinois. And then one that came really close was Home Alone, which all takes place in Illinois. But then the sequel doesn't really have anything to do with Illinois because it's him lost in New York. So it doesn't really carry that franchise anymore. So I'm going to go with Halloween, which takes place in Haddonfield, Illinois. And Michael Myers is just one of my favorite horror villains and just one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. And I think it's because when I was growing up, 
it's probably the first movie to really give me nightmares. I think the top three movies that give me nightmares were probably Child's Play, Texas Chainsaw, but at the top of my list would be Halloween that would give me nightmares. And I remember, I think this one summer that we had a free cable subscription for a little bit to the movie channels, and we had AMC. And I watched an entire marathon of all the Halloween movies from the very first one to, I think, maybe H2O. And I had such bad nightmares that Michael Myers was coming to kill me. But again, this movie takes place in Illinois. Every single one is taking place in the same town of Haddonfield. It gets referenced every single time. So you have Michael Myers, who is one of the biggest just movie characters, horror, even outside of the horror genre. And with all the successful sequels and just most memorable moments, I think you have to go with Halloween being the biggest movie out of Illinois. All right, moving on now to Indiana, which let me just say, when I put this question out, I got a lot of responses from all different parts of the country, everybody representing their state. But nobody came harder than everybody from Indiana. So the movie I'm putting at number one, I'm not even giving it any other competition because not only was this the most tweeted about movie for Indiana, I think I had more tweets for this movie than any other state. So shout out Indiana for putting your state on the map and wanting to get represented. Just hands down, Hoosiers came in as being the best movie. That's what everybody said from Indiana. And you can't deny that. So all you guys came in strong on this one. I'm not even going to put my opinion into this one because I wholeheartedly agree with you guys. I love a good sports drama. You got Dennis Hopper, RIP to him. Hoosiers, most famous movie to come out of Indiana. Just mark it on the board. All right, now Ohio will be the next state. Some fun movies to come out of here. So just an honorable mention to start with is The Little Giants, which was one of my favorite movies as a kid. It's a great, like... Saturday afternoon broadcast TV movie. For some reason, this would always be on like some random channel that I would watch. And it has that very kind of like Saturday morning, you wake up, you make some breakfast, and then you go and turn on the TV and there's happens to be a movie on. And it was usually The Little Giants. Really fun movie as a kid. And it takes place in Ohio. And then a very close to the top was have to be Tommy Boy, which takes place in Sandusky, Ohio. It's Chris Farley, it's David Spade, a great comedy duo, and sometimes I just get Tommy Boy and Black Sheep confused, but this is the one where Tommy Boy, who's played by Chris Farley, he goes, it's kind of almost like Billy Madison as far as the plot, because he's going to inherit his dad's company, and his dad ends up dying, and he has to prove that he is worthy of running the business, and David Spade is like, essentially babysitting him. It's a very funny movie, it's very 90s. And it's classic Chris Farley, his slapstick humor. He puts everything into his performance, him, you know, falling down and breaking the table. Like, you can't help but love Chris Farley. I would say Tommy Boy, Black Sheep are probably his best two movies. And I would have to give it to Tommy Boy being his better movie. And it's a movie that I could see being associated with Ohio. Had a bunch of tweets for this one. But the one that just has to be the most famous, again, kind of going back to the whole Halloween thing of there being so many sequels and being one of the biggest characters in horror, you got to give it to Nightmare on Elm Street, which is based on the fictional town of Springwood, Ohio. And it takes place on Elm Street, which, you know, the whole idea behind that is that every city has an Elm Street. So you could kind of take this Freddy story and being like, oh, this could take place in my town, which makes it even more scarier. And I really love the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd say maybe the first three are really the best ones. I tried to get into the reboots when they made them, you know, kind of 
look different, but they didn't have the original Freddy anymore. So it kind of lost its charm and character because without him, without having, you know, Robert England as Freddy, it's just not really the same thing. There's been some rumors they would come back and do it one last time. I've seen, you know, fake trailers and all this stuff online. But I think if they came back and did one more Nightmare on Elm Street with Robert England, I think it would have some really great success because Halloween has done such a great job with the new Michael Myers movies that they've made them grittier and exciting again to where it's not the same thing over and over. I think if they took that same kind of dark, serious approach with the new Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, it would be really great at the time right now. So I don't know if they'll ever do that. I don't know if Robert England ever wants to play the character again, but... I got to put that as being the biggest movie out of Ohio. Going with Nightmare on Elm Street. Now we're moving on to North Dakota. So you got a couple movies here. So first one that kind of came to mind was Logan, which is the final installment of Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, which they end up in North Dakota at the very end. That's where they're trying to get to in the movie. So it has ties to North Dakota, but not a whole lot. And then you have the movie Leprechaun, which that all happens in a town in North Dakota where originally the leprechaun is, and then 10 years later he comes back and they find him there, and that all movie takes place in North Dakota. But the movie I have to go with is Fargo, which actually starts out taking place in Minnesota, but then they end up in Fargo, North Dakota, and the movie's named after a city in North Dakota. And not only that, but it has the seven Oscar nominations. It won for Best Actress in Screenplay. And it's a movie that's just so closely associated with the state. So it could kind of almost go in between North Dakota and Minnesota. And I had to find a place to, you know, really place it in. But I'm going to go, since it's Fargo, North Dakota, let's put it in North Dakota. I think it's the most famous movie to come out of there. A lot bigger than Leprechaun. And I just think Logan isn't that famous for having that North Dakota tie. So we're going with Fargo here. South Dakota was a bit tougher. There's not a whole lot of movies made in South Dakota. And I was relying a little bit more on you guys if you had something out there. I've been to North Dakota. I've never been to South Dakota. But the movie I found that was actually the story originated from South Dakota was The Revenant, which is Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie where he gets attacked by a bear. Now, they didn't film a whole lot of this in South Dakota. It was filmed a lot in, like, Canada because they needed a place that had a lot of snow. But the whole original story that it's based on, which is from a true story, and I actually did a whole episode where I fact-checked this movie. If you want to go back to some earlier episodes where I fact-checked movies, it's based on an old story of a guy actually getting attacked by a bear and surviving after being essentially left for dead. So a great movie, and it's actually not only taking place in South Dakota, but they try to keep at least the landscape of it, even though they didn't film it there. So not a whole lot of movies based in South Dakota, but you got a really great one here. Easily the most famous is The Revenant. Moving on to Nebraska, and I'll start with an honorable mention, which one of my favorite movies is called Up in the Air with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick, and I really love the story in this movie. It's George Clooney who plays a character who all he does is travel around the country, and he's trying to rack up these miles to land in this super elite group of travelers. And what his job is is he goes around to different companies, and they bring him in to fire people, which is a really hard thing to do. So the businesses don't want to do it, so they hire him to come in and kind of do the dirty work, and that's all he does. He just travels around the entire time. But, of course, the movie takes place in several different locations because he's traveling around and the only time he's actually in Nebraska is when he goes home to their main offices, which are that's where they're located. So I didn't feel like that really fit the description of, you know, 
encompassing the state of Nebraska. So I just wanted to give it an honorable mention and another movie to check out, and it has that Nebraska tie. And then there's the actual movie named Nebraska, which is a really good movie that came out in 2013. It was up for Best Picture. And it's in black and white, which is a very bold stylistic approach because you have to shoot a movie totally different when you're filming in black and white. I did some kind of research of, you know, what goes into shooting a movie like this because it's not like us taking pictures on our iPhone where we can take a picture and be like, oh, I wonder what that would look like with some black and white filter. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll post that. That's not how you film a movie in black and white. You actually have to, you know, light scenes different ways and approach the filmmaking a whole different way because once you take out all the color, all the shadows land different and everything just looks different from the way it does in color. So I think it looks really cool and the story in this is actually pretty great. And a movie I really wasn't expecting to like. I'm like, it's just this old dude. You got Will Forte in there. I'm like, what's this actually going to be about? But it's a really great movie if you want to go back and watch a Best Picture nominee from that year. And again, it's one where they travel from one location to another, kind of like the Fargo thing. And I didn't want to go with another easy pick of naming a state with that same movie. And I also don't think a whole lot of people saw this movie, so it can't be the most famous one. So I think the movie that's a better representation of Nebraska, what do you think of when you think of Nebraska? Well, they're famous for corn. And there's a movie called Children of the Corn, which was actually shot in Iowa, but based in Nebraska. Like, that's where this movie takes place. And I actually got a tweet from at KayleeC26, who said, Children of the Corn was shot in Iowa, but based in Nebraska. Even in the 80s, people still preferred Iowa corn. Go Hawks. That's a tweet from KayleeC, not me. So just know that's what she said about Nebraska. And again, there's a lot of horror movies based in the Midwest. I think it's a really great landscape for this. And another movie that scared me so much as a kid, so much so that I remember this was like one movie that I would be like, I'm never going to see that movie just based on the premise where it's kids killing adults that land in this town. And I remember even watching it for the first time, I felt like I was watching something really dark and twisted and it almost didn't even feel like a movie i thought i was watching some kind of like documentary i'm like this could actually really happen and it really freaked me out and this was even like a movie that i would see at like the video rental store i didn't have blockbuster back in the day we had one like connected to our grocery store and i remember that i would go in and look at the aisles and whenever i would see this on the shelf i would like run past it i was so scared of this movie so children of the corn you got corn you got horror you have a movie based in nebraska we're putting it on the list. There we go. Moving on to Kansas. I got a bunch of tweets from you guys in Kansas. And Morgan number two on the Bobby Bone Show, who I work with, is from Wichita, Kansas. And I love Wichita, Kansas. Been there a couple times. Everybody there is super friendly. And she actually said that the famous movie is easily Wizard of Oz, which I think it's kind of hands down, which you can't really argue with a classic like Wizard of Oz. Everybody's seen this movie. It's been parodied in so many different ways. If you haven't seen or at least know the story of Wizard of Oz, then you're probably not existing in this world today. Like, that's how famous this movie is. You know, you just know lines from this movie, whether you've seen it or not. All the quotes, all the songs, that's what you know about this movie and knowing that it's from Kansas. But I do have some honorable mentions because, of course, Superman takes place in a fictional town in Kansas, Smallville, which they even made the TV show about. But you have a bunch of references to Kansas throughout the movie and he lands you know in a cornfield but I don't feel like that is a famous known fact than it is from Wizard of Oz so I'd say it's still right up there as being a famous one but I think over time it kind of shifts away from being there so another honorable mention is Dances with Wolves which partially takes place in Kansas 
And then also a movie I liked from back in the day, which was a stoner comedy called Rolling Kansas. It's a kind of a very obscure comedy, but it's about these people from Kansas who they get like this map to like a secret government field where they grow marijuana and they go on this road trip to there. It's a pretty funny movie. And for some reason, I tried to watch it recently and couldn't find it like on any streaming service or anywhere. I think the only way to watch it is to like buy a DVD off of Amazon. For some reason, this movie wants to be burned from existence. But I remember it being really funny and I've quoted it a lot in my teenage years. So an honorable mention to Rolling Kansas. But the most famous movie we're going with here is easily Wizard of Oz. All right, we have a few states left. So let's go on to Minnesota. Again, we put Fargo back on the North Dakota side. So just an honorable mention here that it actually starts out taking place in Minnesota. Then you also have Grumpy Old Man, a movie called Angus, which was a really good one from back in the 90s. And then I'd say the two top contenders, one would be Mighty Ducks and all the sequels that came with it. When I think of Minnesota, I think of an artist, I think of a celebrity, and I think of this song, which has a movie I think of the song. I think of the movie Purple Rain starring Prince. I think Minnesota. I think Purple, whether it be for Prince and Purple Rain or Minnesota Vikings. All these things are encompassing of Minnesota. So I think this has to be the most famous movie because I think it has the most famous celebrity to come out of Minnesota. And it's a really great movie from back in 1984. You got music. You got drama. What else do you need? We're going with Purple Rain here. All right, moving on now to Iowa, which had a bunch of tweets about their movies as well. So shout out to all of you guys. And I remember the first time I ever went to Iowa, it was in Cedar Rapids. And I was on tour selling merch for Bobby Bones. And he was doing a comedy tour. And we were about, I don't know, maybe two hours outside of Cedar Rapids. And we were on tour. It was Carly Pierce and Nikita Carmen who were opening for him. And for some reason, Carly Pierce couldn't make that tour date. So... Bobby was like, hey, I know you've been writing jokes. How about you do 10 minutes tonight? Now, up to this point, I had never done comedy in front of people. I'd been writing stuff. I'd been trying stuff like in the comfort of my own home, but he knew I wanted to do it at some point. And this was kind of my push to do it. And the first time I ever got on stage and told jokes was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And it was insane. Like I got up there and I had like a sheet of paper with the jokes I had written in those two hours of jotting down things. From the time I was told to where we got in the van and made it there. And everybody there was so warm and had such a great response to that. That it made me want to do it again. So thank to you guys. If anybody listening was at that show and remembers that. Just know that I love that that happened in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Shout out to you guys. And let's talk about the movies out of Iowa. So honorable mentions. Let's go first. You got Kingpin. Of course, you got the Bridges of Madison County, the Crazies, and then the two really contenders for the top movie and most famous movie to come out of Iowa is probably What's Eating Gilbert Grape with Leonardo DiCaprio, but I kind of feel like that's such an early movie of his, and maybe you know the title of that movie if you're an average movie watcher, but you haven't seen that one. I don't feel it's as famous as the one I got the most tweets for, which I agree with, is Field of Dreams, and you have the iconic quote, which I actually think a bunch of people get the quote wrong from the movie. So I think everybody says, if you build it, they will come. But what the quote actually is, is if you build it, he will come. There's a lot of kind of movie quotes that we kind of get in our heads and think one way, but sometimes in the movie, that's how they were never said. So the actual phrase is, if you build it, he will come. And that is a quote from the movie Field of Dreams. 
starring Kevin Costner. Great sports movie. You can actually go visit the place where this was filmed in Iowa. And I would love to someday create like a list of famous movie locations to go and visit around the country. And this would definitely be on my list. And easily the most famous movie to come out of Iowa. Let's go with Field of Dreams. All right. Final state here inside of the Midwest. I would say three great movies that could easily be the most famous. Well, let's go right through them. I would say in that number three slot would have to be Winter's Bone starring Jennifer Lawrence. One of her early movies and I think the movie that she was known for before she did The Hunger Games. This was like her best movie. And it takes place in the Ozarks of Missouri. But again, I feel that's not as famous even of her movies. So I couldn't put that as the main one. And I think you guys would agree with me on that one. And then one I didn't really think about until I saw all your tweets was Guardians of the Galaxy, which, you know, it starts out and he is born in Missouri, but that whole movie takes place in outer space. So it does have that Missouri tie. I just couldn't really feel like it embodies Missouri in any way. I don't think of Missouri (laughs) at all when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy, but I had to include it as a mention in this because it's one of my favorite Marvel movies, but just not a movie I could feel comfortable with saying that it's the most famous from Missouri, even though it's a really famous movie now. But I'm going again with a movie that has the state in the title, and it's three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and it's easily the best movie I've ever seen on an airplane. I think I was flying back from California, and I was like, hey, I haven't seen this movie yet. I watched it, and even watching it on a tiny screen, I felt like my eyes could not get off the screen, and I was so kind of interested and entertained by this story that's kind of a darker story and done in such a subtle way that I can see why I got so much hype going into the Oscars that year. And I really thought it was going to win more, but it didn't. I really love the cast in this movie. You have Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, Peter Dinklage. They're all in this movie and just did such a great job of being so kind of powerful. And I'm glad Francis won for Best Actress and Sam Rockwell won for Supporting Actor. I think hands down they deserved it. I wish the movie would have done better overall but really great acting in this one and i would say if you're in the mood for a pretty intense drama and an oscar worthy movie if you haven't seen this one yet it is entirely worth it you get that small town missouri vibe so let's put it on there the most famous movie to come out of missouri well it has to be three billboards out of Ebbing, missouri let's go All right, and that is part two of this part four series if you want to go back and didn't listen to part one well Hopefully this made sense without that, but that's what we're doing here. Just the most famous movie, the most recognizable movie to come out of every state. Next week, we will be doing The South, which is where I am from. If you want to get your picks in for that, just go over to my Twitter page, at Mike Destro. Comment on that top pinned tweet and get your picks in. I'm building the list now, so go do that. All right. What I'm going to do next is I actually did a segment over on the Bobbycast, which is a music podcast that I produce, but... Every month or so, we'll assign ourselves a music movie to review. So it's Bobby and Eddie from that and myself reviewing the movie Pop Star Never Stop Stopping with Andy Samberg. So what you're going to hear is us three talking about and reviewing that movie. I would say there are some spoilers in this next segment, but it's a comedy movie. You can't really ruin a comedy. I feel we talk about it in a way that's just like our favorite parts about it. We're not really giving away what the movie's about, which I don't really feel like you can ruin a comedy. I kind of think that's what trailers do for comedy movies because you watch a trailer and you're like, oh man, they showed all the funniest parts in the trailer. 
We don't do that. We just talk about what we liked about the movie. We even play some songs from it. So I don't feel like there's anything you have to worry about ruining the movie. If you end up deciding by how much we laugh at ourselves reviewing this movie that you want to go and watch it, we're not going to ruin anything about that. So that's what you'll hear next right after this break. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So we all had the homework assignment to watch that movie Pop Star with Andy Samberg. Uh, as about once a month, we'll watch a music movie and review it. What was the last one we did? Oh, uh, Walk Dewey, Hard. Yeah, Walk Dewey Cox. Walk Hard. Uh, this one, uh, Pop Star, is r- just in, in, when I watched it, I just thought it was the kind of a mockumentary on two things. One, the Justin Bieber documentary, because I think that happened around that time. And then two, just boy bands and pop music in general. I think it was a mix of those two. Mike, how would you feel about about that description. Pretty good, yeah. Um, first of all, before we get into anything about it, did you like Popstar? Mike? I liked it. I thought it was funny. I liked the parody genre, and I just like Andy Samberg a lot. The parody genre, I mean, in the movie. Yeah, okay, the parody okay. movies. Playing with the songs. Yes. Uh, Eddie, <laughs> what'd you think? <laughs> Look, man, it was stupid. Like, it was truly <laughs> a stupid, dumb movie, but I laughed probably the entire time. The songs were great. 
I think just the funny storyline was I do I laughed I lol'd and then after I would laugh I would say this is so dumb. I mean I thought it was a pretty smart movie yeah. on how it parodied a lot of the dumb things in pop music that we mm -hmm. just take and go, yep, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, I loved it. It was one of the best mockumentaries I've ever seen. I, I mean, also because wow. I grew up in that era of boy bands and they were making fun of that. I mean, I, I, it, I thought it was so good, not just because it was stupid. I thought it was just a really good um, sample of how dumb we were in that whole late 90s, early 2000s period. Um, so I really loved it. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, but about a third of the way through it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a contender for one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So as far as like a funny mockumentary movies go. And then I like just all the other things they, the other things they parried outside from like the boy band stuff of like the Tyler, the creator thing of Hunter the Hungry. Oh, of, yeah. Like, that yeah, being yeah. like the biggest thing and like, okay, we'll bring them on this tour. Like, I don't know. I like that aspect oh. of it too. And even like the... And Hunter the Hungry was playing clubs. Like they go and yeah. he's like this... He's a Tyler the Creator, but yeah. he's doing... Brunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they're like VFFs on stage. And then even the, uh, you know, the helmet with the dead mouse, but, de you know, yeah. but his buddy who used to be in the band now is just his DJ and he puts a helmet on him. With the yeah. beam of light. To so, cover him up. <laughs> there, there were just there were a lot of those that I think you probably got a lot of them while watching, but if you watch it again, I bet you would catch even more of them. And then the with him putting his music inside the appliances, that was like the U2 yeah. thing where they put everybody's uh, their album on iTunes. They open the fridge, that's his music. <laughs> and at midnight, whenever it comes out, people are chunking their fridges out the door because they're so upset by the fact that his music's in their fridge. Um, I thought the songs were so funny. I don't have a list of the songs, so good. but okay. the one that pulls up is the, in my mind is the Bin Laden one. Okay. <laughs> he's on. Yeah, they effed us like Bin La America <laughs> did Bin Laden. Yeah, he's on stage and he's doing his little in sync thing, whatever. And then uh, he, this girl, first she's dressed sexy, then all of a sudden she's got a Bin Laden beard. Then the next she's got a Bin <laughs> the full thing. Here's some of that. Oh, I don't have that one. Oh, you don't have that one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that one's funny. Is that because it was too bad? Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, all pretty bad, but I mean... I'm so humble is funny. Yeah. And the song they do with Michael Bolton. Oh, yeah. This is the end song, right? Yeah, the last yeah, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, again, and when you start talking about a funny movie, you appreciate it even more because you laugh again at the parts. Um that maybe you didn't spend enough time with. I think to me, a really funny part was he, they're having this real awkward conversation about how terrible his record's doing. Mm -hmm. And his manager, who is... Uh, Tim, Tim Meadows, Tim, again, Tim who Meadows. was in the other movie we reviewed. Yeah, yeah. that's so, right. <laughs> and so Tim Meadows is in it, and he's like, hey, man, it's not going to be good. So Andy Samberg looks over the camera and goes, hey, can you, you guys just stop with the cameras? And so they put the cameras down, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're getting attacked by a bee, and there's a blowtorch, and all this stuff, but the cameras aren't up, and you're just hearing them scream the whole time, and and all this stuff. He's like, oh, my God, the bee's wearing a... And so, and then it, it finishes, and he kills whatever is crazy, and he goes, hey, you guys got that on a camera, right? And they're like, no, dude, you turn this, turn it off. And he's like, come on! <laughs> That's so funny. There's like explosions, like yeah. World War Three. Eddie, what was, what was a part of it that you loved? I mean, the part I really laughed was the wa the wardrobe malfunction. I mean, <laughs> the whole tuck thing situation. <laughs> and then <laughs> it messes up, and he's got nothing there. And he's like, I promise, I tucked it. And then he goes over to Hunter the Hungry or yeah. Henry the Hungry, and he's like, hey, did you do it? Because they were playing jokes. He goes, did you do it? He goes, nah. 
Or did I? Maybe I did. <laughs> nah, 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 I didn't. But maybe I did. I? <laughs> and it just doesn't stop. It was kind of that family guy humor where it's funny, but and then it starts to get old, but if you just keep beating it, it gets yeah. funnier again. <laughs> Listen, I loved it. I love music documentaries. I love really funny uh, parodies on on documentaries. I, I just, for me, I loved it. I would uh, give it, I'm going to say it, five out of five. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going to go, I went four and a half on the show, but I was thinking about it last night. I felt like I was just doing that because I don't want to get judged. But uh, five out of five uh, popsicles, since it's a pop star. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. I don't know, think that it's for everybody. And I think you can watch it and be like, well, this is so dumb. And it is dumb, but I think it's done in a way that yeah. it's doing dumb things because we believe they were real and smart. And that it's just making us like, hey, if you love this back in the day, you're dumb, like we're doing right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, was, he leaves a boy band. The, the story is, I gotta set it up real quick. Andy Sandberg's in a trio, like a boy band trio. Mm -hmm. And he's got to go solo. This was their big song. Yeah. <laughs> donkey roll. It's funny too when Usher's like, my only goal was to do be able to do the donkey roll <laughs> with the, uh, the what was the name? The, the uh, Style Boys. The Style Boys. And then they're all doing the donkey roll on the stage. Um, and then he leaves and does a solo record. And it's how successful is the solo record going to be? And he's doing a documentary about how big and massive it's going to be, except things go wildly wrong. And um, I give it five out of five. Mike? I gave it four out of five. I kind of ranked it as far as my favorite Andy Samberg movies, so I'd put it right up there. What what um is better? Uh, Hot Rod. Never seen it. That's a good one. And then I just watched his movie Palm Springs on Hulu. That one's really good. Eddie, what do you rate this? Man, I would go with a solid mock, uh, music mockumentary. I would give it four poppies out of five. Yeah. Solid. But, but again, good, <laughs> again, dude, yeah, the whole time I'm like, this is so dumb. But like you said, it's so it's really good and it's smart. I feel like it didn't do that well in theaters, but I think that it's kind of developed a cult following. Yeah. Um, what's the next movie we should do? Ooh, think about that before the. I I just saw Rocket Man. Well, you can't yell one out that you've already seen. Yeah, no, I'm just saying the last time we talked about it is yeah. like I hadn't watched it yet, so I watched Rocket Man. Did you like it? Um. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It was fine. It was fine. But I also watched Straight Outta Compton too. And that's this good. is all during quarantine. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff to movies to watch. Let me look and find something, and we'll have a month to watch it, and then we'll come back and, and talk about it. All right. Bones. It's funny you said the the Justin Bieber on this because I felt a lot like it was the Jonas Brothers documentary. Because since it's three of them, and then you know, like Kevin goes to raise his family, and in this case, this guy goes to the farm. Mm -hmm. But like, it's almost, and then you know, uh, who is it? Joe and Nick kind of stayed together a little bit. So I saw a lot, a little more similarities to Jonas than I did Bieber. Well, the Bieber documentary was out at that point. Yeah, like I think that's what the, the documentary part of it was. Ah. Like we're going to, because this was such a wild success. Let's do a pop star documentary. That, so the documentary style was based on the Bieber one, and then it was just boy bands in general. You know, yeah. uh, about all the dumb stuff. And he's like, I stand for gay rights, but I'm not gay. But if I was, it'd be okay. <laughs> you know that song? But I'm not gay. But I'm not gay. And he's yeah. like, if you want to make out with the dude, that's okay, but I'm not gay. I was yeah, later in the movie, he just says, like, I, you know, I, that, that song was not politically correct. Yeah, he's like, you know, it wasn't my best song. But my, <laughs> I, think, I was going to say, he even referenced the Anne Frank thing that, oh, Justin that, Bieber. that Bieber said. That's right. That he, she'd be a believer. Yeah, so... Again, a lot of these nuggets, I forgot about that. He's in the Anne Frank house, and Justin Bieber actually signed, I think he signed 
the book. I know he said she'd be a believer. Yeah. But th- there was an Anne Frank. But then Andy Samberg uses the bathroom in the Anne Frank toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. At the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, watch it. We love it. That's our review of uh, a, a pop star. Never stop popping, popping. What, what, what is it, Mike? Never stop stopping. <laughs> Never stop stopping. All right, there you go. All right, going to get into another movie review now. We're going to be talking about An American Pickle starring Seth Rogen and, well, Seth Rogen. He actually plays two characters in this movie. With technology these days, you're able to kind of take the old school split screen, which they used to do like back in like with a parent trap, and it's really gotten so advanced. So he's able to play two characters. So I'll talk more about that. And it's also a movie that he didn't write or direct, which is kind of rare for Seth Rogen. Usually everything he's in now is something he has some kind of part in the story but it's actually based on a short story entitled sellout so that's the stage for this movie also know that it's only available on hbo max it's an original hbo max movie so if you want to watch this one you had to do what i did and sign up for a free seven-day trial and be sure to cancel it a little life hack is that you can actually sign up and cancel at the same time and you still get those seven days you don't have to set a reminder to delete it or unsubscribe from it you can hit the unsubscribe right when you start it if you don't really want to end up paying for it and I'll also kind of get into a review of HBO Max as a whole. So if you're thinking about getting it, if you've been kind of on the fence about getting it, I'll tell you what I think about with my experience so far with it after a week. So before I get into that, here's just a little bit of an American pickle. It's been 100 years. The pickle brine preserved him perfectly. It's too old to do that. The world has changed. Everyone I know is gone. You were able to track down a great grandson. Greenbaum. Greenbaum. <laughs> this is nuts. Well, if you're like me, you kind of need to laugh right now. You just want to watch a movie and kind of disconnect your brain. And that's what I was looking for when I turned on an American pickle. And I got to say, I was a little not upset, but I was just so drained at the idea of starting another streaming service. I have Disney Plus, I have Netflix, Amazon. Hulu, I have all these kind of outlets right now that I'm juggling with that just the idea of opening up another account kind of drained me a bit. And this movie came out back on August 6th and it was kind of me like waiting a bit to be like, do I want to even try to check out HBO Max to watch this movie? I was like, all right, I want to laugh. I want to see what this movie's about. I was interested by the premise and I also talked to Sean Whalen on an earlier episode. Um, He was in Twister and he's actually in this movie too. We actually talked about how he was in the trailer when this first got announced. So with all that, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll sign up for HBO Max and I'll watch this movie. I like Seth Rogen. I think his earlier stuff is a little better than the stuff he's been doing recently, but this had a pretty funny premise. It's basically, he plays his great-grandfather who was came to the United States way back in the day. He gets a job at a pickle factory and he falls and lands in some pickle brime and they put this cover over him. And he gets preserved perfectly for 100 years. He wakes up like after these kids fly this drone into this abandoned factory and they discover that he is still there living. And then he goes to find his great grandson, which is also played by Seth Rogen, and he is living in Brooklyn. So the whole story is kind of them getting to know each other and then fighting with each other and... The way the pickle thing comes back in is that he ends up starting to sell these pickles and goes viral and does all of these things. So that's kind of the whole premise of this movie. It's actually pretty funny. I think, first of all, what I enjoyed was how great the technology has advanced with split screen. Because I remember back in the day, you would see the tricks they would do to make it seem like Lindsay Lohan was two people in like the parent trap. Which is essentially you have 
her on one screen and her on the other screen, but it's kind of split into the middle, so they end up filming it twice when they're both on screen together. Or they'll have it to where they have a body double that looks exactly like them from behind, so whenever they're talking to each other, the person that you don't see their face is the person that's, you know, the stunt double, and then you have them on the other side. But in this movie, it's just so right on that you never really can tell when there's any kind of split screen or anything like that. And so much so that you feel like Seth Rogen is actually playing two characters because he talks in a different way when he's playing his great-grandfather, who is named Herschel, and then he talks in an entirely different way, which is more Seth Rogen-like when he's playing the character Ben. Which I really liked in the movie. Like, I felt like I wasn't being kind of, like, cheated in a way of watching Seth Rogen juggle two characters. I enjoyed that. Overall, though, I didn't think the movie was that funny. I wanted to laugh a little bit more. It kind of felt like a old-school fable with a little bit of comedy. I would say I enjoyed maybe the whole entire first half of this movie and then maybe the last 30 minutes I was kind of tuning out a little bit and it wasn't because it kind of got away from it even being funny anymore. It was kind of just the story playing out. So I would say the first part of this movie is great. I enjoyed it. But I don't think it would really make me want to subscribe to HBO Max at this point, which I know they're very slowly cranking out their own original content. And that's really the only reason I would choose to subscribe to them or any kind of services because I want something that I can only get from you guys. So overall, I'm probably right along the line of giving this a 2.5 and a 3 out of 5 pickles. I'd say it's right in between that line. I would probably have to go with 3 out of 5 pickles just because I enjoyed the majority of this movie. just kind of lost me at the end. And overall, it just wasn't as funny as I was expecting it to be when I come to see a Seth Rogen movie. And then add in the factor that I had to sign up for a seven-day trial, take a little bit away from it. But while I was there on HBO Max, just to kind of give you guys an idea of what's going on over there, if you've been thinking about getting it or just kind of looking for a different kind of way to get movies and TV shows. So the whole kind of thing that they were kind of pitching HBO Max as being the only place you could watch the entire series of Friends and they were supposed to have the whole Friends reunion, which is like delayed until next year at the earliest, and I think everybody's kind of wanting to go places that have their own original shows. And for me, I'm looking for places where I can get the best movies. So I was looking around on here. And if you're a movie fan, you listen to this podcast, you obviously are. It's actually a pretty great place for movies. Maybe not so much the original content they have right now. I think that'll maybe come here further down the line. What's more, people kind of know what HBO Max is. Because let's be honest, in the very beginning, it was very confusing of what HBO Max was and Go and all that stuff. I was even confused by it. And I'm pretty on top of all these services. But I think once they kind of get going more, it's a little more clear. of Okay, it's their standalone service. I think they'll start to get some more titles and some more actors going over there doing movies and TV shows, but right now, what they really have is all the Warner Brothers movies, which is stuff like Harry Potter, all the DC comic book movies, so you got Batman, Superman, the Justice League, Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, like, all that stuff is over there, and even, like, the Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, a lot of those movies that I really like are over there, and I noticed that when I went to go try to rent some of these movies before, like they're completely gone from any kind of video on demand and they're exclusively right now on HBO Plus. 
I mean, even just for having one place where you can watch all the Harry Potter movies without having to pay for them individually, that's a pretty good incentive to go there. The only thing that kind of makes me weary of it is it's probably one of the most expensive ones. It's $14.99 a month. That's a lot. That's more like double what I pay for Disney+. Plus. And I'm at a point where I think I have probably the max amount of streaming services that I want. So I don't think I will renew past this seven-day trial, which probably ends today. But if I ever kind of see them putting out more exclusive movies that they're doing, I think I would consider it. But I think right now it's a little bit too expensive to just go and watch movies I've already seen. But if you want to watch all those Warner Brothers movies and have them in one place and not have to pay for them individually and you end up watching more, I think it's kind of worth it. The other thing, though, is I saw like stuff is just coming on and leaving so quickly that I don't even know if they'll be around in like another week or two. So I know they're pretty still early on in their launch. I think there has some potential there, but at the price point right now and what they have, I don't think it's entirely worth it. So that's just my experience with it. If you want to do what I did, get that seven-day trial, check out American Pickle, maybe you'll get a few laughs and then see what else is on there. But again, they don't pay me to talk about HBO Max. Just my opinion. But that's what I think about the movie American Pickle. Decent amount of laughs, an interesting premise. And if you like Seth Rogen, then you'll probably like it too. All right, that's the episode for this week. But before I hop out of here, huge movie news dropped yesterday. We got the first look at Robert Pattinson in The Batman, which I am really excited for. I know I'm more of a Marvel fan than I am DC, but man... The original Dark Knight trilogy is probably up there in my favorite superhero franchise of all time. And I've been excited to see what Robert Pattinson was going to look like, whether he would be believable, and also just what this movie was going to be like. Because they're kind of slating it as a grittier, darker Batman, still of that kind of era that Christopher Nolan did with the original trilogy. And I was excited to see what he looked like. And they're only 25% done with this movie, so I was so surprised... Not only to get any kind of like indication of what it was going to look like, but it's a pretty lengthy trailer. Like it's like a two minute trailer with some pretty good footage in there. It wasn't just like a quick little 30 second teaser, quick little thing that I usually put out. I was expecting just to see a glimpse of Robert Pattinson, but you get to see him, you see the suit, you get to hear him even a little bit as his Batman voice. So I was curious how that was going to sound. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, I posted it over on my Twitter page at Mike Distro, or you could just Google the new Batman trailer and see it. But here's just a little clip of what Robert Pattinson sounds like as Batman. The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. So I think it looks pretty good. Not only is the Batman suit pretty legit, it looks kind of hardcore. He looks pretty beefed up in this, but it doesn't look so beefed up like the Ben Affleck Batman. It looks... Like, it makes sense. It's not ridiculous. So it's believable, and it's dark and edgy. But what I really loved about the trailer so far is the introduction to the other villains. So you get a glimpse of the Riddler, who's going to be in this. And they haven't really said a whole lot of what the plot is going to be about. It's a little kind of... They're pretty much saying that they're going to set up all of these villains. So it's the Penguin, the Riddler, and the Catwoman. It's kind of all of their origin stories, how they come together before they really know them as villains. So it's kind of like an origin story of them, but they haven't said a whole lot as far as how Batman plays into it and where the story's going to go. But just from this, you kind of get an idea of what it's going to be like. 
Whew, and it's really hard to tell just from one trailer, but it has a lot more potential than I was expecting. And I like that Robert Pattinson is different. He looks unlike any other Batman that we've seen before. And it was also interesting just to see the scenes where he didn't have the mask and you just saw his face with like the black makeup. He almost looked a little emo. So I'm glad I didn't see a whole lot of people comparing him to Edward from Twilight. I think people are into it. It's an interesting choice having him in that role. And I'm really excited to see more, but it's not going to come out for a while. The tentative date is October 1st, 2021. So that's the earliest we could see this. And again, they just started production on this backup like last week or so. And even at the end of the trailer, it just says 2021. There's really not a specific date they're going with this because they're pretty much delayed on every single thing. So they have 25% of it done. And that's why I was so surprised of how much they actually showed in this trailer because having really just a fourth of the movie done, this is a full-on trailer. So if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. I'm excited for it. I can't wait till they have more details on what it's going to be about. But just with this and this indication from this trailer, I am into it. I know I've given, you know, DC kind of a hard time in the past of like not really coming through when having these projects and, you know, failing on the Batman versus Superman and failing with Justice League and Suicide Squad, just not doing so well. I think this is really their chance to kind of put themselves in the category of having a hardcore, successful, kind of dramatic superhero movie that they've been trying to get again, and have they just been kind of falling over and over again to Marvel. So from this trailer alone, I'm pretty into it. If I had to rate this trailer, I would give it a 4.5 out of 5 Robert Pattinsons. I think it's right there, like, makes me excited to want to see it. Whether it'll be in theaters or not, we'll have to see. But October 1st, 2021, looking forward to that. Hopefully they can resume with production and we see another trailer kind of explaining more what this story is going to be about. But yeah, that's some big movie news going on right now. But all right, that's the episode for this week. I hope you guys are enjoying this series next week. Like I said, we'll be covering the South. So if you live in the South, are from the South like I am, I'm from Texas, and you want your voice to be heard next week, well, be sure to reply to my tweet. I am at Mike Distro on Twitter, and it's pinned at the very top. There's a whole thread there of all the movies. Just comment with your state and the most famous movie from your state, and I'll go through those when building the next episode. And before I hop out of here, speaking of Twitter, I got to give my shout-out of the week, and this week it is going to at Mr. Robert Herrick, who tweeted that the first episode in the series was great, and he's looking forward to the Midwest episode. I think he is from... Wichita, Kansas, which I actually talked about earlier. So shout out to Robert. Thanks for listening to the podcast and for tweeting all the time. I see you, dude. So I appreciate that. If you're listening right now and you want to shout out on next week's episode, because I do them every single week, all you have to do is send me a tweet or tag me in your Instagram story, wherever you're listening to the podcast, just like a screenshot or like a picture of your car dashboard. And I'll pick one person to shout out next week. That's all you got to do. Little Instagram shout out, little Twitter shout out. That's what I do here. And I hope that you listening right now, whatever state you're in, even if you're not in the United States, I wonder if you still enjoy this whole series of learning about the United States. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for hitting play. Thank you for hitting download. Hope you tell a friend about this podcast. And until next week, I'll see you later. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. 
the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about Indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.